to end 2021 here at The Athletic, we're talking to each of the North American Soccer Vertical's eight full-time staff writers about their favorite story that they did this year. Today, we're wrapping up this series, and Pablo Maurer joins us to talk about his deep-dive investigation into an obscure bit of MLS history, the guys that were in the original Columbus Crew logo. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Thursday, December 30th. But first, your TV guide for this weekend, as always, all times are Eastern. At 2.30 p.m. today, it's Everton versus Newcastle United. That'll be on Peacock. And at 3.15, Manchester United versus Burnley. Uh, on Friday, t- uh, tomorrow, the uh, really only game of note is in La Liga, Valencia versus Espanol. That's at 10.15 a.m. On Saturday, it's another big day of EPL action. Uh, Arsenal versus Manchester City. That'll be a fun one at 7.30 a.m. So you better get up early. That'll be on USA Network. And at 9 a.m., Watford versus Tottenham. And then on Sunday, probably the biggest game of the weekend also takes place in the Premier League. Chelsea versus Liverpool. Obviously, that has potentially big title race implications, big European place uh, implications uh, on USA Network at 11.30 a.m., Chelsea versus Liverpool. There's also some interesting La Liga games, Getafe versus Real Madrid at 8 a.m. on ESPN Plus and Mallorca versus Barcelona, also on ESPN Plus at 3 p.m. Okay, we're having everybody on the U.S. soccer vertical, all the writers anyway, talk about their favorite stories of the year. Uh, I have Pablo Maurer here with me. Pablo, you chose a story uh, that you did back in July about the Columbus crew. A lot has happened with the Columbus crew this year, but your story focused on a bit of their past. The headline for the story, Searching for the Lost Columbus Crew, A Journey from Jumpman to the Houston Texans for the Truth. That story will be linked in the show notes. And Pablo, at the risk of oversimplifying, the conceit of the story basically is that it's your search for one of the models that posed for the original Columbus Crew crest, which of course features three muscular dudes on it. A great crest, in my opinion. But I have to start with this question. Why? (laughs) You make it sound so stupid, Alex. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) It's a great story. There's a reason we're talking about it right now. Yeah, why? Um, I I just personally always wondered, and I also think that, uh, you know, maybe each of us on staff has uh, some sort of small reputation, at least for the kind of stuff we write. And I would probably say that mine is um, finding stories about MLS or the NASL, U.S. soccer, whatever, that um, might seem pointless on the surface, but end up uh, having some sort of depth to them. Um, Yeah. And I think this is a perfect example. I mean, I I know you like the crest. It's funny, over the course of reporting this thing, I realized that I think it's actually the best crest of the original ones. Um, It's like that, or maybe DC United, you know, maybe the revolution, but the crest, uh, the, the cruise is, is to me far and away the best. So, so I don't know. I mean, I started reporting the story before I even knew that the, you know, crest was going to change or anything like that. I just sort of wanted to, to uh, delve into the, the stupidity of all of it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, the crew are, I guess, somewhat unique among MLS teams is that they've kept their name and their colors, but changed their crest. I think now three and a half times. Uh, and, the latest ones uh, being this year where they changed. I, I don't even remember exactly what was changed, but it was, uh, they made it into the, they changed it just to Columbus SC. They took away the crew and that was a big problem. 
and so they released a new logo and that was a whole big controversy that we covered and your angle on this was to find the original one which was which led you to all sorts of different places so who did you end up talking to for this story because this is the kind of story as yours often tend to be where you're just sort of relying you're just kind of pulling on threads and one person leads to another person leads to another person so as best you can sum that up can you (laughs) can you sum that up for for this story and how you got to who you got to yeah, I mean, I, I think there's somebody in every market in MLS that has done some sort of historical work in Columbus. It's definitely Steve Sirk, who um, used to write for the dispatch there uh, and is now sort of the uh, the team's, you know, semi-official historian, I guess. And so I started with him just because I wanted to make sure that this wasn't a mystery that had already been solved. You know, like maybe the information was out there, but because there wasn't an audience for it or nobody cared. It just wasn't sort of publicized. And he said it wasn't, he suggested I talk to Jamie Roots, who was um, the club's founding GM at the time when I got him, he had just left the Houston Texans. Um, You know, later he would go on to very briefly be the president of the Houston Dynamo, um, you know, before he left that job after a few weeks. Um, He, that was a fascinating interview. I mean, I, I sort of was able to dive into him with, with, you know, dive into it with him on where the team's name came from, not just the logo. Um, you know, I spoke to Peter Moore, who is sort of a design legend. He designed the Jordan one, um, you know, that, that Adidas EQT logo that basically is like the three ascending stripes that's on like every soccer Jersey in the world. Practically he designed that, um, you know, he's done all sorts of work and then just, as an aside, he happened to, to do the brand identities of the crew, the Wizards, uh, DC United um, in 1996. And he was, he was thrilled to talk. Um, he's lost his hearing. So we, we just had, you know, just turned into basically a week's long email exchange and snowballed into, you know, talking about design at large and what he thinks of sort of modern design practices and the, you know, the idea of changing uh, a team's crest and name and all this stuff, you know, every three years basically in mls whatever it is um yeah and then there's like dozens of other people that i hopelessly you know uh people at adidas people you know uh, archivists like i spent hours on you know looking through old newspaper clippings old media guides that i have here i mean you know one thing that drove me was i could have sworn that like as a 15 or 16 year old or whatever i'd seen like photos of these guys like they'd use them in marketing or something like that outside the crest and i was never never able to find that but you know just like you said i mean these things snowball to the point where you and brooks frequently have to just sort of like grab me by the collar and be like you need you need to stop you need to (laughs) this needs to end you know (laughs) like so well i think before we get too into sort of what you ran into there what did you discover like so I don't know. The crew crest to me has always been like one of the stronger crests of the original crop of MLS things, uh, MLS brand identities. Um, just because it's so strange, like you don't often see like a, a single human person in a crest, let alone three of them, let alone wearing hard hats with their arms folded and sort of staring at you menacingly. Uh, did you already have sort of an affinity for this crest before you did the reporting or did the reporting sort of increase what you already had? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) or was, or is it both? Yeah. I think it's both because, um, 
I mean, I can't say that, you know, I can't say that I had some huge affinity for it, you know, in the first 15 to 20 years of his existence. Right. But I mean, the, when <laughs> yeah. we got into sort of like what people commonly call MLS 2.0, you know, that sort of Beckham post Beckham era, I started to get, you know, as MLS started to get a little more traction and become a little more popular, you start getting, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like you start getting a little defensive about, you know, it's like when someone discovers your favorite band that nobody knew about yeah. and and you get sort of defensive of it. I, I sort of got that way about these, like the few things that were left from this original era of MLS, you know, and the, the logo is certainly one of those things. Definitely, as I reported the piece, I got much more attached to it. Um, and, you know, the new logo came out in the middle of my reporting. And I remember just being like, I mean, A, being like at least selfishly kind of happy because i was like this is a great hook but you know more than <laughs> yeah. that i was just like um just deeply angry <laughs> i mean like how could they do this you know like um yeah. because even you know obviously the logo had changed between then between the current iteration and the hard hats they had that circular one for a few years right. um but that was like i don't know that was a good logo right it was fine it was better than the current yeah. one for sure, you know, and yeah. I think like a lot of crew fans liked it well enough and they kept the name and stuff like that. But when they came out with a new one and they changed, you know, they stripped the name away and all that sort of stuff. I was just like, this is, this is ridiculous, you know, like, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, I'd say it was, was, uh, was already pretty attached and then grew like fiercely attached to it, you know, um, towards the end. Well, as you're, as you're talking to all these people and, and pulling on all these threads, what did you learn in this process that really surprised you? Um, that that maybe you weren't expecting. Um, I feel like there might be a lot to choose from here. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the things that stuck with me, ironically, were like the. What really stuck with me was how little went into the design of these logos. Sometimes, and it's something that I huh. discovered too. But I, I mean that in a good way. Like the Revolution logo too, which I wrote about recently, was just some. You know, somebody from the revolution saw a logo on a pair of Reebok sneakers and said, this looks good. An artist at Reebok had like a kind of a worn uh, Sharpie that was running out of ink and just threw it together in one shot. And that was the logo. And um, I think it's like, it's in such stark contrast to the way they do these things now where you have these like 15 page long design briefs about what every facet of the logo means and you know, every single human being on earth has an opinion about the logo. And, you know, that may, that may have been the case back in the nineties too, but obviously with no social media or anything like that, there's no, no way for fans to sort of like publicly get angry about it, you know, but I, I think maybe what surprised me was just, or what I was taken by was like the simplicity of it. And also um, frequently, like I discover a detail, like, you know, some of the team's original names that were suggested. I mean, it was like, you know, it was like, I can't, was it one of them was like the white castles or something like that? Because like, you know, another one of the sliders. Yeah. Because of uh, white castles based in Columbus. Um, another one that really struck me was like one that almost made it, which was the Columbus eclipse. And the reason for that name was, and you read this and you're just like, did nobody even fact check this? Like they said <laughs> it was a hard, scarcely believable tale of like when Columbus passed the, at the moment, at the moment that the Columbus crew passed the 10,000 uh, season ticket deposit 
amount, which was like an, it would automatically trigger the awarding of a franchise, there was a solar eclipse over the city of Columbus, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just like this is nowadays, it's like that's so easy to debunk. Back then, it's just like every major paper was like, this is factually what happened. You know, it seems improbable, yeah. you know, but like, so I don't know. Um, I wasn't really surprised, but I definitely enjoy like when you discover details like that, that sort of harken back to a, uh, maybe let's just say like a simpler time, you know, <laughs> in American soccer and, and journalism too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What, what was the reaction to the story ba- ba- based on what you remember? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to give too much away about what actually happens in the story because we want people to, to go and read it, but uh, it's really good. Like, I know it sounds like we're, <laughs> we're, we're talking about just like random stuff here, but Pablo, you did a really, really good job of turning this kind of journey into a, into a narrative and a lot of people really like like this story i'm curious sort of what you heard either from fans or the crew or mls or or anybody we could probably just give it away right i don't know like you'll still want to read it i feel like it should sure. <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean people were i mean i definitely got my share of comments that were like you know, this is the dumbest story you've ever written. And that's a good thing, which I think is what I was going <laughs> for. You know, um, yeah. I definitely think it hit in a moment right before the stadium opened in Columbus, the new stadium where a bunch of crew fans, excuse me, were, um, you know, needed like that injection of adrenaline and needed to reconnect with their history. Um, and I think that was helpful. Um, but again, I think probably the response was mostly like, I don't know why you even decided to do this, but thank you kind of deal, which is what I get with a lot of my stories. I will say with the crew, I mean, this is another thing that I didn't expect to happen. They, you know, I was working on the story like probably a year before this most recent logo change and they just didn't answer my emails. I mean, I like the crew, I, I gave them multiple opportunities to just like work with me on the story. And it makes a little more sense now in retrospect because maybe they were just like, we're not going to venerate these three dudes from our original logo when we're about to execute them, you know, like, but yeah. um, to be clear, they didn't execute the guys, but you know, like, <laughs> thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I was also like, it's one of those things where you're just like, are you serious? Come on. Like, this is a fun, cool story. Like help me out with it, you know? Um, yeah. But I think they probably would have been useless anyways. Um, but yeah, so so I don't know. The response was good, you know. Yeah. When you think back on the story, maybe a year from now or maybe more, what's the first thing that's going to pop into your head? Just, you know, like towards the end of the reporting process, when it became um, more plausible that I might find one of these guys, um, what will stick in my head is is like the the feeling of, of like anxiety. Um, because I know it sounds stupid, but it's like, you know, like anything in life that you get obsessed with, uh, when you're sort of like, just, you can taste it. Like you're almost there. It becomes this like all consuming thing. And I swear to God, Alex, there are like multiple days during a week during the last week of my reporting where I just like thought I was going to have a heart attack. Cause I was like, Oh, like I, I can't have come this far and then just like give up on it. Even though I knew it'd still be a great story. If I, did it would almost be like fitting if I didn't find the person, whether I did or I didn't. Um, it just sort of you can just give it away. You, yeah, you did find the person. It's, I, fa- it's, I found it's the a- person. His name's Andre. Anyways, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, maybe the, maybe the other thing I'll, I'll think about is just getting the phone call from the guy who's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm the guy on the right in the Columbus Crew logo. Um, and then also maybe the disappointment of not finding the other two guys. But yeah. I haven't given up on that <laughs> yet. So, you know, I still well, every few weeks just... like put some sort of energy out into the world that might result in finding the other two guys. <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> If you're well, you never know. Maybe, maybe there'll be a exactly. Yeah, there, there there's going to be a sequel, a, a couple a couple follow ups in in 2022 for you. How, how does that sound? This uh, this podcast reaches millions of people, right? You would say. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay, at right. least, at least, at least, at least 1.2 um, million. I think. So yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, I haven't given up. We'll see what happens. I'm, I, there are other more pressing stories to work on, but. Um, you, no. you would take a follow-up right you would glad if i oh yeah i would absolutely take a follow-up okay <laughs> you're approved you're stamped approved we all right well pablo thank you so much for discussing the story uh on the show and great work on this story and all year long and i don't know i'm i'm really looking forward to to next year as well yeah let's do it this show is produced by mike zimmerman with help from john hayes You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.